It's Positive Spark Plug time, and I'm your host, Candace. And are you ready to get nourished? Because this episode with Lauren truly fills you up in all kinds of ways. She talks about the holistic lifestyle, how to bring fun and creativity into your relationship with your food, how important it is to heal it, how important it is to understand it, and how important it is to live it to your best while not feeling deprived or like you are missing out this episode is truly phenomenal lauren is a queen and she shares many experiences of how you can work within uh yourself and how you can be your best self and live your healthiest she gives us stories of herself and her own experiences and how she coaches and serves others and how she just brings others to fulfillment within themselves and really what she's going to be doing next within this year and how she's going to really just deep dive in to um food and uh bringing experiences to others and i'm just i'm just so excited for you guys to listen to this episode so let's get to it Hello, Lauren. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Candice. Thank you for for joining me on the Positive Spark Plug podcast. I am so excited to have you to learn all about who you are as a woman. I know, well, I followed you through uh, Mike, who is your partner, your your boyfriend. Is that, yeah? Um, And I have loved everything that you have posted. Um, I've loved all the value that you've added to Mike's posts and, and, and videos and all that kind of stuff. So I was very keen on getting you on the podcast. So thank you very much for joining me. Oh, thank you so much. I love it. Super excited. Uh, my first question is just to have some fun with my guests ever since this COVID has hit. Uh, it is, what are your three favorite emojis or the three emojis that best describe you and why? Wow, I I feel like I kind of write in emojis more than I do in words sometimes. Um, three emojis. I'm actually stoked too. I don't know if you noticed, but they updated emojis where there's more healthy food options in there. So I'm stoked to see that. Um, Man, emojis. I think the lightning bolt is one for sure. Um, I use the leaf uh, or like a sprouting leaf one a lot too. New life, vitality. Um, I love green. It's my favorite color. Love food. And what's the last one? Probably just the crack up face, the one tilted to the side and just like crying. Um, I think laughter is one of the most important medicines in life. And um, I think just bringing that levity to the world um, and to ourselves is so important, especially right now. And as you said, with COVID and stuff, just lightening the mood. Um, life is as dim or as beautiful as we um, perceive it to be. So 
Those are my three. <laughs> I love that question. That was the last thing I expected you to meet you to ask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it honestly it came up. To, that, that question just came up to me the one time because I use emojis a lot too. And I saw somebody posting, uh, it was just somebody posts, why don't people answer with real like words instead of emojis? And I was like, cause they resonate with us. They're quick, they're easy, they're fun. And I was just like, no, I'm going to add that to my podcast. <laughs> totally. And I mean, we <laughs> pictures before we did in words probably. Right. So I think it, it, it's possible to get a lot more emotion and just where you're at with those too. That's cute. <laughs> I agree. I agree. So I want to dive in um, a little bit on a couple different topics. You are a holistic nutritionist, um, but I want to ask you, has nutrition and eating healthy and being in a healthy state always been something that has been a part of your life? Or has it been something that you've learned throughout the years because you weren't you weren't wanting to follow the same patterns and lifestyle that you had while growing up? Sure, uh, I think it's a mix of both, honestly. Um, a major part of my upbringing, of course, was my mo mother's influence on me, and um, my mom. Um, when it came to food, when I was a kid, she, when she was 19, she grew up in Santa Cruz mountains as well as an organic gardener. Um, and that was before like gluten or any, anything that we know deemed to be now as inflammatory or maybe not ideal for everybody. Um, that was pretty off the radar. No one really knew, um, that type of nutrition science at the time. So my mom, unfortunately struggled with a lot of health um, problems and uh, she basically navigated her healing through organic food. And, um, and so when I, by the time she had me when she was 35 and my brother, uh, we grew up in a very non-traditional household. Everything was, you know, wax paper bags and organic peanut butter and like oxidized fruit. And um, it was actually kind of a a struggle for me growing up because I never had the lunch that I could trade, right? Or like when I was at school and stuff, I kind of was the odd girl out with um, my healthy food options. So I actually threw away a lot of my because when I was in grade school and I feel terrible about that now. I've been part of my upbringing. Uh, my mom was incremental when it came to like how I forged and formed my nutrition values. Um, and so I think I had that foundation very early on, but, you know, just like with anybody, I went to public school and was very much like out and about and not always home. So I certainly have had my share of <laughs> junk food, um, but at home, it just wasn't available. So basically the only time I really had that stuff was um, at school or um, at friends' houses. And actually there was a bit of shame when I was a kid, like, like you know when my friends would come over and they'd look in my fridge it was like they did they had like miso and like macrobiotic veggies and rice and beans and it was just not the colorful um food coloring assortment that most teenagers and kids wanted um but I navigated that and really I think I evolved my nutrition specifically when I started working with the Czech Institute and studying um with Paul Czech and that really just deepened for the first time I found an institute and a, a 
body of schooling that really aligned with those values that were, you know, um, embedded into me as a kid. And uh, I just ran with it and it felt so aligned. So I think it came really naturally um, having that foundation. Like my palate itself, I think is still forged to those initial really nutrient dense foods um, I had growing up. And now it's just evolved into more, more art and like really appreciating the depth of food and um, what dining and eating together gives community. And, and I've worked in restaurants for 15 years and luxury hospitality. So I've seen the whole spectrum and the, run the whole gamut around what food options are out there, you know, and what aren't. And um, that's really inspired me to try and bridge these worlds together because I think a lot of us are kind of living in one track minds and so much of that is from childhood conditioning of what you know what foods we reach for for nostalgic reasons what foods we reach for like when we're stressed out um there's just so much emotional mental emotional connections to that stuff that I'm so grateful for my mom's influence even though I'm sure it was a pain in the butt <laughs> forcing kids to, um, to eat so healthy. Um, and on the flip side of that too, uh, you know, I, my, I came from a, I come from a middle-class family for the most part, but it was, um, our, my lifestyle was, um, a little different than most of my peers and we didn't have a ton of money by any means. So a lot of our food was, um, not vegan, but pretty low protein at the time and only in can you hear me okay yeah only in hindsight was um was that like really um looked at and stuff so so yeah it's it's been a journey with food but it's been the most enriching aspect of life really it plays into everything I, I always say that you know food is the bridge to people to ourselves to nature um to health um, it's so foundational and formative that um, it's always inspiring me to like go a little bit deeper and because um, the surface value of nutrition is really boring to me too. It's like, it's not enough to just see it as like, you know, macros and micros and nutrients and calories burns. Like that is just so boring. And um, so, yeah, I try and live in in it um, and just have it be a really fun practice of, of self-growth and, and support for others too. Yeah, I the one word that that came to mind uh, when you were saying that and I have it written down is the relationship with food. For, for me, especially when I'm working with clients, it's really focusing on the relationship with food. You said growing up, there was a little bit of like, shame coming while you had how did you deal with that um growing up and how did you how did you manage your relationship with your food as as you were growing up so that you could discuss it with your friends so that you could also be a part of you know enjoying what your friends had at their house and not feeling like oh my god I'm doing disservice to myself or my mom and what she's trying to implement in my family and stuff how did you work with that shame to overcome it you know at the time I don't think the shame was conscious well I guess it was like I kind of oh, until recently in the self-work I've done a lot of shame I think most of us avoid you know and we 
do whatever it takes to not have to feel shame. That's super uncomfortable, especially when we're kids and we're trying to fit in and we're trying to, you know, hold ourselves to the standard that we make up in our mind that everybody else yeah. is and, you know, is the right way to do it. And, um, and so actually, unfortunately, many times I just didn't have friends over, you know, when I would go to their house, it was very much like I was kind of the, um, the additional family member to so many of my close friends and was kind of raised by their parents as well. And was just always the guest in other people's homes, um, more so than, um, having people at my house. But, you know, to give my mom credit, like whenever she would cook and stuff, my friends would come over, they were just like, oh my God, I didn't know like cookies could taste this good. And, and they were like gluten-free and natural, you know? So it's like when, when I gave her the opportunity to, um, you know, make up for it or shine, she always did. But I think just being a kid and going through my own mental, emotional stuff, um, navigating that. And, you know, I, I was really inflamed as a kid too. Um, and in hindsight now, like I see that less so as toxic foods or foods I don't tolerate and more so like emotional um, weight gain. And a lot of that had to do with like emotional relationships with food and, um, and the shame around it, like I said, too. So I think it's a really mixed bag of emotions. And I think like, as you said, when you're talking to clients and myself, too, it's when we get to the root of it, it's, it's always so much more than just, you know, what the food is and really like what the food represents to us and those emotional, um, stories and like imprints that are in us. And unfortunately, most people or many people don't, you know, revisit those, um, things. And it's like, oh, I wonder what eight-year-old Lauren, like was really thinking about food or my home environment or, um, just being different at any in, in anything I think as a kid is challenging um so I'm not a bad problem to have I don't want to make it seem like I had a terrible upbringing but that was a challenge for me was just feeling very different and um so that's kind of what comes up no go mom for when when she did get to shine yay yeah some of some of the the best meals that I, I have ate ever. And I, it's, it's, it's from the, the, the houses that are typically in areas that I'm normally not used to eating in. Like, and I'm just like, Whoa, it throws me way in a really good positive loop. And it opens my mind to being not so stubborn and trying more things. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you, joined the Czech Institute. Can you explain that? Was that, um, you said it was the first kind of community that really aligns with kind of your values and your morals. Did you try something else? Did you go in another avenue? Um, and what brought you to Czech and like, why is Czech Institute so, so good for you? Yeah. So, um, like I said, you know, holistic nutrition where it was, embedded in me since childhood. And um, that was kind of like my bar when it came to nutrition, right? Was basically my mom's cooking and um, all organic, all local, um, macrobiotic in a lot of ways, um, leaner proteins, you know, she didn't do coffee or any of that. Like it was um, my mom, or neither of my parents drank much alcohol. So it was just like a very 
humble, um, nutrient dense diet, you know, and, um, and I, so, but my actual education background, um, I started in environmental science actually, and that navigated to, um, environmental law. And I ended up, um, doing a double major in, um, in, um, pre-law and international politics. And for a lot of people and for myself for a long time, I was like, how do all of these things relate to each other? What do I want to do? Um, one of my challenges and, and opportunities in life is like, I'm so interested in so many things that really like selecting the clear direction that's most aligned. Um, it's taken me quite quite a few different things to navigate and, and figure out. And now in hindsight, I'm like, oh, these all fit together so perfectly. Um, but so I got my degree in, in law and I really wanted to go into more environmental policy. I felt like that was the best route to making actual change and impact. And I really quickly kind of noticed just how, I mean, environmental law as a body of, and as a field is just not only somewhat depressing to be honest, but it's just, you get caught in these legal, like, it just doesn't feel productive and it can be very emotionally deflating. So I, but I still got my degree in it. Um, I wanted to close it out. And I was at the time I was at UC Santa Cruz and I was um, studying a lot of like uh, food science and um, indigenous studies around how our food supply is really, you know, how it impacts indigenous cultures and communities and its impact on the environment. And so I kind of started to bridge these fields together but I was working at a law firm in Palo Alto um, in patent law of all things. And, um, and I was just, I was good at it. And I felt like it gave me that structure that I was looking for, but my soul was just dead. You know, it was very transactional work. I was doing a lot of like legal editing and these were like, you know, technology patents. So very much in this like narrow um, perspective and, and scope. And I found myself um, on my lunch breaks reading How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy, like Paul Chuck's major book, right? And I was, I, and it really played into how my mom raised me. She was also a personal trainer as well. So fitness has always been a big part of my life. And um, my main sport was martial arts. And so long story short, all these things kind of merged together when I was at this law firm and every lunch I'd be like what am I doing for free like what really lights me up because I've always loved to learn and it's like if, if this is what I would do on my own time then why wouldn't I do it try to find a way to get paid for it you know and to yes. just merge these things so I kind of took the leap I left that field um and went back into hospitality and from there that was kind of like my launching point into like my own private practice. And, um, you know, I did the side hustle for a long time too, but mostly just for personal enrichment. And so much of the Czech Institute, when I, when I say it was very aligned to me was because it was just that like holistic full scope perspective of, you know, the mind, the body, the soul, um, spiritual, uh, the, our spiritual connection to life. And if we're disconnected there, then we are, you know, disconnected to all of it. Um, and so it just in my heart and my body and soul, I was just like, this just feels true to me. It's like truth does, you know, truth just feels like truth. And, um, and so it gave me just that encouragement to 
So I didn't want to just waste my time and get some, you know, fitness certification or something random and shallow. Like I really wanted the real deal. Um, and, and I found it with, with the Czech Institute. And so I've studied with, with them for seven years, eight years. I don't know when that was, but, um, quite some time and it's evolved from my own self-growth and self-development into really integrating it into my life where I, you know, I don't just, I really don't believe in telling people what to do. Um, I, I try to empower people to find what's best for them and like, you know, support them through that process. But um, most of what attracted me to the Czech Institute was that I get to work on myself, you know, and in every session I have with someone else, it's selfishly speaking so much about me too, because of how much I get to learn and how much of myself I get to see in, in others and in that intimate space of holistic health. It's, it's so dynamic and it goes different directions every time. So it's, it's been one of the few things that's really kept my interest long enough to like keep going deeper um, yes. myself and with others. So kind of a, a roundabout answer to your question, but. No, that I love it. I'm actually, um, I, I have to get to it. I have, I've put it off and I don't know why it's just cause everything is hit um but I actually am signed up for the level one holistic life coaching for Czech Institute and it's the online one so I've done some of it and then we went in this whole COVID hiatus and craziness and all of that kind of stuff but it is something that I have to get back to doing and completing um I'm very excited about it myself it is also um a a certification it's more than a certification it's a lifestyle um that just helps coaches bring it to the world so through a certification but I actually met Paul just briefly at the CanFit Pro I actually have a picture with him um yes it was very cool to actually see him in person and hear him talk and chat and he's his the information that just pours from that guy is just yeah. unbelievable you just sit there in awe you're just like <laughs> yeah it's, it's an yes for sure yes um so with with your um you know your your certification I also saw I want to get into um the other thing that I really liked that I saw on your Instagram is your you it says lifestyle designer how do you bring in your holistic coaching with the nutrition and your environmental um, background how do you bring that in to helping people design their life so I am still navigating that as, as whenever someone asks me like what do you do or how do you do it or like um to be honest, like every day I'm still like, how do all these things connect? And, you know, like what's the most aligned way to either, you know, formulate my offerings or make it a little bit easier to digest and understand. Um, strategic marketing is not my favorite. I love marketing, but I'm much more of like a creative, like expressive person and I have my own particular artistic eye and taste and um and that can be challenging sometimes to to communicate 
But um, really what I found works best for me is I, I go deeper with fewer people. So I really only have about three um, clients at any time at most. Sometimes it's only been one and I'm just full-time supporting them through a million things that they're challenged with or I'm excited by. So that ranges from, you know, creative projects. Um, I opened a a paleo uh, restaurant three years ago and I was involved in the entire design and the recipe development and really the entire concept of what that uh, that was. So that was a really creative, but also um, integrating opportunity for me that kind of bridged all my skills. Um, And right now I'm working in the private sector um, one-on-one with one particular client that's very high needs and has um, many different chronic um, illnesses. So it's it's kind of like a 10 case in one kind of situation, which keeps me learning a ton. But really what I've learned is that like, it, it really is depending upon who shows up at the door or what project I'm working on, what person I'm, I'm connecting with, every day is different and I'm just kind of do my best to find the tool that is somewhere in my toolkit to um, support them. So it is very um, artistic and I really want to connect people to that like inner artist of their life, you know, and and when I say lifestyle design, it's really bringing that intentionality, that um, alignment to the things that feel most true for that person, what what really lights them up, what um, what are they excited to jump out of bed and do, you know, naturally? Um, I say like my tagline, you know, is nourish your nature, you know, and first we need to find out what our nature is, like who, what is our essence? Who are we inside from a mind, body, and soul um, perspective? So design with anything, it's like it needs to be functional and it needs to be, I mean, to me, beautiful, right? A, a positive, enjoyable experience. So I feel it's a win no matter what, if somebody feels a little bit more empowered, a little bit more clear on what really, who they and they feel like safe in their body and they feel safe to express and they've learned the things that nourish their particular body. Like everything I do from a nutrition perspective is personalized and individual to whoever I'm, I'm working with. Um, and the Czech Institute specifically with the holistic lifestyle program, um, it is very holistic, of course. And it also has a, a step, steps and structure to kind of navigate that process for someone. So we always start with, you know, what's the person's dream? Like what's their main objective? That could be, you know, a, a big project or that could just be like, I want to feel safe in my body, or I want to, you know, just feel like I love myself. Um, I want to be able to look in the mirror and say, I love you and mean it. Um, So starting with that goal and objective, we kind of chunk things down into a very principle, um, foundational health principle place. So it's easier to digest because even myself, what I've noticed with the holistic sphere of, um, of coaching it's very over, it can be very overwhelming for people. And the, the, I think our desire as coaches, holistic coaches is to be comprehensive and to be thorough and to, you know, look in all the directions that maybe other people look past, right? Yes. But to still be able to channel and guide that without it being like 
oh my God, this is just way too much information, like way too much too fast. Um, there's a saying, you know, we can, we can never go too deep, but we can go too fast, you know? So it's really just those, those slow nibbles of reconnecting to self um, through food, through mindset, through, um, you know, it can be something as simple as like getting organized in your home. You know, I really, I'm very passionate about um, eco design and I love like creating a habitat to thrive, you know, and, and many of us, feel super chaotic inside and we're like, what's going on? You know, like, why do I feel this way? What's, what's coming up? And, you know, if you were to pause and look around, it's like, well, what's your living environment like, you know, what, what, um, sounds, what visuals, what people are in your life all the time. Um, there's, there's a lot of ways that like chaos and toxicity can sneak in and it has nothing to do with food. Right. So I think just having people when they feel good in their body and in their environment, they feel safe and um, they're much less reactive. They're much less impulsive. Um, they're just, they're guiding their, their ship, you know, and, um, and being in the driver's seat of your life is, is basically what lifestyle design is. It's like, I'm through intention, through organization and really visioning what that life looks like that's the only way you can get there. You know, it probably won't be that exact spot, that dream objective, but it'll be somewhere damn near close. And you're that much closer to um, just getting that life that everyone deserves. You know, I think it's possible for all of us to really be doing things that light us up. And it is the simple stuff I've noticed too. It's like, I love, I'm a big consumer. I'm a very intentional consumer, but like, I, it's, it's definitely in my nature for like more, more, more. I'm a seeker. Like I'm an artist. Like I love like color and like busy stuff. Like I'm all over the place, but like, I think when we really align to our heart and to our soul, it's like, it's the simple stuff that really lights us up and that really is conducive to living in health and thriving, not just getting by every day. So. Yeah. Yeah. When you're working with people, and working with clients, even for yourself, do you find that it's a lot, a lot more of undoing of what we know than it is learning something new? Mm -hmm. I love, I like how you phrase that a lot. Um, and it's kind of parlay from that. I think oftentimes it's something that we need to do less of than add more of, you know? So in that kind of same theme, it, um, so much of this is really, it's clearing, it's shedding, it's, um, if it's story work, you know, it's like even just pausing to revisit some of this stuff or even being like curiosity is, is the first step to anything, to any new awareness, to any growth, to any lifestyle change. Um, we need to find something we're passionate enough about to be curious enough about to pause and actually like consider, you know? So I think absolutely a lot of it is, is shedding and deconditioning and, and, and even just exploring, like, is that my story? Is that my truth? Or is that something 
you know, that was implanted in me or conditioned over time. Um, it was that a survival technique that I developed, you know, and, and having the self-compassion that it's like, we're all doing our best, I believe, to survive and to make it through our, our life circumstances. Um, but I do think also to get to that thriving point, like there's some shedding and there's also some pruning and intentional, um, enhancement for me. Um, but I think it's different for everybody, but this is the starting point is really like, okay, what am I working with? You know, like what is buried, what is not buried, um, what's true, what's not true. Um, I love how you invited that question because, um, I think it's a mix of both for sure. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. Um, I want to talk. So with, with shredding and and you know releasing you know some of the patterns in our old ways that we're we're used to how how do we how do we get a sense of knowing when something is a part of us and how do we start embodying it so that it it becomes natural to us because we might feel it's like yeah that feels good but if it's not normal to us because this is all normal how do we start embodying it so that that becomes our new normal? Mm. Mm. Well, for me personally, I think a lot of my uh, awakening moments or new discoveries or those aha moments where I'm like, oh, that's, that's a truth for me. It could be a, a positive experience or a negative one. Like I love how I feel right now or I absolutely am so uncomfortable with how I feel. A lot of those moments have been when I've intentionally put myself outside of my comfort zone, whether that's like a workshop or tra traveling or somewhere where it's like we touch a part of ourselves that is completely outside of our normal circumstances and environments. And with the mental emotional coaching I've done specifically, I'll go to this intensive, you know, five day workshop, for example. And all of this vulnerability will come up and, you know, it'll be like, and I'll feel very safe to a degree that the people I'm with that facilitated this, you know, safety to share and to feel. Um, and you kind of create a new bubble of like, okay, well, I'm only, this is only safe and true for me now because my real life, when I revisit all the stuff that's going on with me every single day, I think all of us, no matter what, what stage we're at in our, in our journey, it's very hard to bring that new awareness back into life where it's like, okay, now I can actually feel safe and empowered enough to integrate this, to apply this and to then evolve even further. So I think for me, it really starts with having the courage and the um, commitment to put ourselves outside our comfort zone. And that just, I mean, I don't know if that's embedded in us or if it's you know a personality thing but I think a certain amount of adventure is necessary to walk the path of, of health and healing um you there's a grit and a courage there that I think is necessary and sometimes that can be kind of slapped across the face by some external <laughs> circumstance or it can be self-driven but um for me it's always been self-motivated like I've just always wanted to throw myself into the unknown, see what, you know, I really am made of. Um, and it's only in those moments of uncertainty and um, 
you know, sometimes fear where it's like, we actually really learn what we're made out of and who we are and what is true for us. And, um, and so I think that having an, a healthy adventure spirit and realizing that fear is, is here to teach us and pain is as well. And um, Chuck Institute Paul talks about the pain teacher, right? Like these are, these are opportunities for us to learn and to grow and to apply, or, you know, there are opportunities for us to run the other direction, you know, but to really, um, I think, start to integrate that it, it's a lot of self compassion, patience, having a community of people where you can scratch that surface and rip off the band-aid with, you know, and then slowly and intent find really good coaches and um, don't put yourself in, in circumstances that, you know, you're completely un, un, under or unsupported returning home, you know, like creating, again, designing the container for healing is so important too, um, because with a lot of these things it's like yeah it's great you know you ripped off the band-aid and you had this life-changing experience but that can almost be detrimental if if you're returning and you have no tools and skills or support to to you know integrate it so I think that's a really missing piece in um in self-development if that's the bracket we're talking about um and it, it's it's a lot of patience with self I think unfortunately you know, we're our own worst enemy, you know, and we're so much harder on ourselves than the world is normally, you know, in, in other people's minds. It's like, um, most people are pretty forgiving, you know, and, um, but it's, it's the relationship with self that really determines whether that is like a, a miserable experience that you never want to revisit because you never want to feel that comfortable and out of control. Or you're like, okay, like most of that was hard, but I feel so much lighter now. Like I must be onto something. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I like that you brought up, I like that you brought up community because I, I'm also, I've experienced that myself where I've I've been at uh, a retreat or Camp Fit Pro is huge for me. I, I volunteer in, here in Toronto and I do seminars and stuff. And then it's that, that coming home that I'm not in that, that exciting environment where I'm like, man, I could do this every day, all day. Cause I'm right in it. Everyone's in it with me. Everyone's flowing all the same way. And then I get out of there and it's Monday and I'm like, where's my flow? <laughs> where did the flow go <laughs> and now I'm trying to navigate mm -hmm. integrating what I just learned into my day-to-day -day, into my clients um and and finding that community that I can talk with and share it with and bounce ideas off and having that sounding board um for you who has been that that sounding board that that community for you as you've been navigating through your coaching business through your own journey as becoming a, a, like a holistic life coach art designer all of that kind of stuff who has really been a, a backbone for you and, and a community for you besides the Czech Institute yeah um it's a great question I so community for me, I mean, I spent so many years in restaurants and that is kind of a, um, 
a cult lifestyle in many ways. I mean, there's not many people that work as hard as restaurateurs and as um, chefs and culinarians. And it's a very like you're, you kind of find and create your own family, I feel like in, in okay. um, hospitality and food. So I think a lot of just my, my inspiration, my, my food inspiration, my culinary inspiration came from working with just incredible um, artists and um, professionals um, in restaurants and many different chefs that just um, inspired me. And, and when I found the Czech Institute, to be honest, I mean, I, I met in my HLC2 course there was only 10 of us, 10 students, and, and four of those, um, including the instructor, are my dearest friends still. That was maybe five years ago, six years ago. So I think I, I'm personally like much more of like a quality over quantity person. Um, and with my intimate and personal relationships, that's very much the case. Um, I think professionally, I'm more of a sponge. Like I love to watch and learn and take notes and dissect when I see somebody super successful or super artistic or passionate or um, just top of their craft. I just fucking take, pardon me, take really good notes. And I'm like, what are they doing that inspires me so much? Like, how can I learn to be, you know, how can I find that in myself too? So a lot of them have been mirrors to me and um, my my close friends that I've met through um, Czech and, and other um, coaching um, institutions. And now I'm so fortunate being with Mike um, as a partner, I've noticed, because I am very introverted in a lot of ways, and, um, and I like to have deep conversations, you know, um, small talk is my nemesis. I know a lot of people feel that way, um, but I, I really do for my creative work need a sounding board. Like when you said that word, like that's like the humdinger for me. It's like, I need to reflect and be inspired and like kind of bounce ideas off of because I'm like a Virgo mind, like very analytical inside. And I just web out and like heart storm and brainstorm. And I'm all freaking like, you can see, like, this is like an example of, you know, like my mind just works all over the place. So to have Mike be there to like, He's also a very good listener. He's much more of a, there's this exercise, I'm not sure if you've heard of it, it's called um, empty mirror exercise. And it's basically just sitting with somebody, you're off the rift, just talking and they're basically, their, their role is to not show any emotions, not you know encourage or say yes or agree, just basically just witness, hold space and listen. And I joke with Mike because he's kind of like that all the time. Like he's such a solid listener and such a, a commander of space in this is very, very um, receptive way where I know he's listening to me, but it's much less that he's like, you know, giving me these ideas or directing anything. He's just an amazing sounding board. And um, he also gives just such solid um, advice. And now that he knows me and my process, my creative process and my work, um, that's been just so incredible. Um, and I've always had like a very, um, like when it comes to like partners or, um, or friends, there's always been kind of a, a link to business and to work. Like I think I know how much, how passionate Mike is about his work and even my dearest friends were all, most are very successful in their individual fields. And there's just 
this passion for entrepreneurship and just, you know, being good at something and sharing and supporting and, um, yeah, there's an energy to um, being an entrepreneur or a solopreneur that I think is, um, it's just, it's really fun and it's really cool. And, and so a lot of my friendships even are those sounding boards too, where it's like my best friend will go out, you know, have dinner and we'll talk about marketing strategy, you know? So it, those, nice. I'm basically talking about that stuff with anybody because that's just really what lights me up and small talk is my nemesis. So, um, Anybody and anyone who's down to talk about something interesting, uh, I'm open to, but um, community and just, and just again, like also practicing holding space. And I, I feel like I talk a fair bit when I'm actually comfortable and engaged. I have a fair bit of opinions on a few things. Um, so the people, you know, in these, in these communities are so, they have so much wisdom and richness to share too, that that's like so inspiring to me. So again, it goes back to the, every time I feel like I'm sharing something, I'm also receiving so much back. And it just feels like at the end of the day, I'm like, holy moly, like we just had a three hour conversation before bed about, you know, a new offering or this or that. And it's so natural to our relationship. Um, but yeah, so he does a lot of my mirroring for me, especially now when we live together and um, work in the same home and living space. And and I know so much about, and he's inspired me even when we were friends before we were dating, you know, um, it's it's really helpful being surrounded by very inspiring, incredible people to put it simply. <laughs> yeah, it's it's important. I actually wanted to, to bring up, um, a really cool I, I I thought that it was one of the, the coolest things I saw that you did um, and, and it involved Mike and what he does so he has a, a retreat uh, mm. man, men of movement retreat and you yeah. did all of the cooking for them that whole retreat I did yeah that is very cool because there was all it was all men and then you right was there yeah. any other female essence at that retreat? No. no. <laughs> you were the, I've, I, that is so cool to me because you got to bring them a, a sense of togetherness through delicious food and you got to nourish their body. Can you explain how that felt for you uh, to be able to do that for so many men during such a, a cool event that brings them together, that brings them to themselves, that brings them to the environment. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. That was, I mean, it was truly a, um, a really, it was a highlight to, you know, professional and personal life for me. Um, so yes, Mike led his meta, his first of many, I'm sure, um, men of movement retreats, which is an all men's um, experience and changes in theme. But um, there was, I believe, just 18 to 20 um, people there. Um, I was the only female. These were growing, strong, strapping, athletic men doing really deep um, emotional and physical uh, work. And um, and the opportunity was just really special for me because again, like kind of talking about bridging these worlds, like food is my bread and butter, you know, it's what I'm most comfortable, confident in. 
And at the same time, like I see at so many of these retreats and um, workshops, it's like the food is just like, wah, wah, you know, and like you have this like amazing like facilitators and experience, but I feel like so much um, is left on the table if you're not nourished well, you know, and, and that can mean one thing just with like nutrient density and quality. I mean, we source all the meat was from Belcombo Farms, like literally on site, um, incredible quality protein. For me, like my quality standard with Vital Theory is, you know, all organic, um, biodynamic when possible, local when possible, and really following nature and the season. So like a winter time, different menu than in spring, right? So this kind of farm to table concept that's really popular now, um, I would love to see more of that actually in the health and wellness space, especially at retreats, right? And, and it needs to be, for so many, it, it, it is an afterthought because these facilitators aren't logistical event planners. I have 15 years in luxury events experience. So I think I'm able to kind of, again, be the connective tissue for these really nourishing, important things without having to put that pressure on the actual facilitators. And it was a great way to kind of try that on for size with Mike's group, because of course, I didn't know most of them. Um, and I thought it was actually going to be much more like I wasn't going to see them at all because we really wanted to kind of hold that polarity of, you know, the men being with men is a huge part of that experience. And so I wasn't involved with most of it, but I was in the kitchen the whole time, right? So three, three nights, I think we did, it was three nights and four days um, and 18 to 20 people feeding. And I bit off a lot uh, for sure because I, I can cook but I'm not a professionally trained chef. You know, I really know ingredients. I know um, cuisine. I know flavor. I have a really good palate and taste. I've worked at really wonderful restaurants with amazing chefs, like I've said. So um, it was a challenge for me to actually be the executor as well as the, the, the planner, because a lot of that um, project was, you know, writing the, the, the recipes and the meal plan based upon what activities they were doing that day. You know, when they did the cold plunge, they needed different things after than, you know, before a long hike. Um, there was fasting that needed to be considered um, for the ice. And so there was a lot of different variables, which I really, like, I love, again, to make things personalized to the experience, you know, like I don't want a cookie cutter anything, even though it's better to have a cookie cutter quality. Um, I wanted to go even deeper than that. So um, we also did one of the, the big events um, from a food perspective for the retreat was a sensory dinner experience. And um, that was, so Mike is well versed in food as well. Um, it's not what he talks about the most, but he's an amazing cook, Italian background, just, you know, has eaten very well for a very long time. So it's a really cool kind of um, neutral territory for us. So we gave this um, sensory experience dinner and it was in the barn on the farm. And what I really wanted that the guys to connect with was, you know, their body and their experience of food for more than just the like, I'm going to scarf down, you know, food because I'm starving, you know, and I unfortunately <laughs> had to make them wait a few times. So I was like, all right, because the timelines changed. He's like, babe, where's the food? I'm like, you just told me. So anyways, we had a lot of our own um, back conversations and we'll do it a little differently next time. 
Um, but really, again, returning to that relationship with food and relationship to how we're eating and where we're eating and what conversations we're having and where is our emotional body at when we're eating. Um, so it was everything was eaten with only their hands. They couldn't, you know, use forks or any of that. So you can really not only taste the quality of the food, but you can, again, spark that curiosity around like, what are these aromas that I'm picking up? Um, is that a new taste? Have I ever had that ingredient before? What is that? Um, I kind of, I, I really want to explore further, but just that idea of how people blind taste wine, right? A, a sommelier can have just infinite notes that they pick up from a glass blindly. Like they yeah. know where the grape was grown. They know what the soil conditions were. Um, just, you know, this the flesh of the grape changes the flavor. So again, just really refining and returning to that primal sensory knowing that we're always taking in information and food is information, right? It's not just nutrition. It's, um, it's so much more than that. Yes, so yes. Um, I think that the closer we are to, to food and to community and, um, you know, everybody eats every day, you know, and, and most of us choose to eat when we're celebrating, when we, you know, want to really like connect with someone. It's like, we're doing that over food. So instead of just having it be an after thought, you know, like how can we make that front and center to really nourish ourselves and, um, and have an, a memorable experience that is imprinted for a much longer time. So it was really fun, really artistic and the guys loved it. And, um, Mike has done this too, but we always do a blessing of our food and, you know, invite it into our body and, you know, really connect with it, not ask permission, like in a strict way, but to just treat the food as it is a life, you know, it, it is a life force, you yes. know, so the more intentional we are about how we select our food, especially animals. Um, you know, there's, there's so many different layers to this stuff. I can go pretty woo woo into it, but, um, <laughs> but making that really like experiential, um, eating and dining more of a, um, of a common practice. So, yeah, seeing some of those pictures, the, your plates were so colorful and they <laughs> like my mouth watered just staring at oh, some of them <laughs> that you were saying, how, how was that for you? Did you find it more exciting because it got to bring out that artistic side for you than it was like stressful to create a meal plan? Were you just like, Mike, tell me what your events are and let me go at it? Or were you like, here's some ideas? And he, Mike was like, well, here's what we're doing. How did you guys work together? Because like, like you said, something that after a cold plunge would need something different than a hike. How mm. would you know that? Because I would just put food in my body and hopefully it feels good. <laughs> and and I, I mean, so the cool thing is like, you know, Mike and I are scheming basically every day at some point. Like he is a new thing he's excited about. We talk through it. I give him ideas. He gives me ideas. So we, you know, I was every step of the way as he designed that experience, the retreat, I, I was in those same conversations, you know, so it kind of worked both ways and, um, and just a lot of really enriching conversations like, oh, would you think this would go better? Would that go better? But he basically gave me free reign. Like, I, 
he didn't know what we were eating up until it was on the table, you know? So, <laughs> and a lot of it too, I mean, from a, an event perspective, a lot of the time and um, investment was like the ordering, the selecting, like really kind of get getting all the over a hundred pounds of meat up to Mount Shasta, you know, and I was by myself and I had all this perishable ingredients and it was like, this is nutty. And it was actually the first time I've worked an event in a while because I did, was so used to that chaos for so long that I was like, oh yeah, this is why we do it. Like there's something about being in that industry that drives you absolutely crazy and also just fuels you like nothing else. So um, I think I enjoy very much the the on-ramp process of like the plan, you know, like this is the intention, this is the design, you know, it's designing a, a, a meal experience. The execution is a little bit more, that's like the, okay, I get into my like in the kitchen mode where it's like, boom, boom, like I'm really fast and I can't delegate because it takes longer to tell somebody else what to do than it is to just do it myself. <laughs> and the guys were so sweet. They were like, there was a couple chefs there and they were just like, how can I help? You know, but if, if you ever worked in a restaurant, then once you're in the weeds, like if you can, you never get back time. You know, it's like, if you're and quite a few different things happen where I, I started off behind schedule, but really the feedback from the guys was, um, you know, that they could taste and just, they were so grateful for the love and the intention around the entire experience. And Mike and I were talking about this actually the other day, like when, like everyone, like there's so many nutritionists out there. There's so many like event planners and hotels and like all these different places where you can, you know, have a food experience. But it's like really those like connective tissue things that like the things you don't know that are happening that make it magical that make it memorable that really like you're like you don't know what just happened but something shifted in you you know so I really love to have a lot of fun when it comes to like the love I put into my cooking and the intention around you know the colors like you said I think food is art and it's like we eat with our eyes first you know and if if something looks very enticing then like we're going to enjoy eating it probably, you know? So, um, the execution was, it's a lot of hustle, but really the most fun for me is, um, is the finishing touches. It's like, okay, it's like doing, setting the table and like putting out the food and serving. I've been in service for so long and that's where I really feel in my elements where it's like a dance, you know, it's like you're anticipating needs and then you're giving something and it's beautiful. And so a lot of it again is kind of like a selfish, just like, that's what I love so much. So to have the opportunity to share it with others and then further to be received and to um, acknowledge and felt like that's just like the best feeling ever. So um, it was really, really special. And, um, and I'll be doing that in, in the future too. And that's kind of what I'm looking forward to as I transition, I'm kind of winding down some professional projects now and looking to the new year, like what is that main goal? And, um, and it's really going to be going deeper with food and creating these um, experiences for people to connect much, much deeper um, and yeah, learn and, and share and all that just for their support. Yeah. yeah. Um, you were talking 
um, not just not just the retreat, but for in general, that's the retreat is just a good bouncing board. The guys were there to heal, connect, to go deeper within themselves. How can not just the men, but how can anybody work with food to help bring healing to their body, whether it's within the relationship or actually their body needs some healing because of all the food that they've just been unconsciously putting in their body and feeding themselves with for the years because that's what they grew up with. And how does somebody go about the approach of healing themselves through food? Mm. Wow, that's a deep question. And I think that every person you could approach it a little differently. But to me, what food and healing, like the connection there or the disconnect is really like our relationship with pleasure and with like what it really means to nourish and care for self. Um, I think a lot of times we'll reach for something, myself included, like my go-to stress food is my homemade spaghetti. Like every finals I've ever had, I'm like, I need my spaghetti. You know, like we have these emotional <laughs> things, you know, and it's like, and I can, go down one course and be like, I'm going to eat spaghetti with a bunch of cheese that's not gluten, that you know, has full gluten in it. And, you know, like I'm going to get one experience or I can be aware of myself and know like how certain foods really do impact me for better or for worse. And I think a lot of it just comes down to being very honest with yourself. Like if we practice self-awareness and honesty and then cap that with compassion, it's just a totally different experience because even, I mean, I'd rather have a client or myself like eat a piece of chocolate cake and be like, so elated and just like, this is like, you know, a treat or whatever. But if you're really embodying the emotion of like joy and, you know, giving yourself something positive, then it'll have a very different influence than if you're loaded with shame, be like, I hate myself for eating this, but I'm eating it anyway. It's like, you're giving your power away, you know? And I think if we're pausing and really like just self-awareness, I mean, I think it all starts there. Um, and then it, you can grow it into just like anything. It's like, it, life is art, you know? And like every choice we make, it's the compounded little choices, not the big ones. Um, so if we can be a little bit more gentle, um with ourselves and give ourselves a pass but also like be real you know like I'm okay now I've done this every day for six days like stop BSing yourself Lauren like what's what's really an intentional choice and a treat and what's like you know a habitual just lack of of self-control and um so I think again it returns to that emotional relationship with self um how symbolic food is, is different for everybody. But again, it, it touches on nostalgia, it touches on our family dynamics, our childhood, um, our, our individual lifestyle needs, you know, like not everybody should be eating the same food. Like, and it's okay to have a very different looking plate than your neighbor or your friend or something, you know? So I think returning to self and choosing self above all of that other BS, um, I think I would start there and and I really um Mike gives me Mike jokes with me all the time because I'm a 
very much a pleasure seeker. And like, I feel like life should be enjoyed and celebrated. And I'm, I'm very, I'm not rigid when it comes to nutrition at all. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from working in restaurants for so long, you know, like I have such a broad appreciation for food that I'm not going to give up flavor for, for anything, you know? Um, but I have learned through a lot of practice I don't have to choose. Like we don't have to choose. We just need to have, be aware of like an alternative or something that works better for us. But there's infinite choices out there, especially when it comes to food. Um, so the more kind of open our our um, our eyes and honest with ourselves and just making consistent good choices, you know. Um, I think yeah, it, it's a it's a lot of little choices every day that really make our life what they are or what they aren't um so yeah do you find that our body responds to food differently when it comes to how we view it so if we view an unhealthy food and we view it as that does does our body respond to that because of our mindset and does it respond differently to the things that we consider as healthy food? Yeah, I think that that kind of brings us to that realm again of like the emotions and sim symbolism, right? Because um, at least from like a mental emotional place, like what we're really reaching for potentially isn't even the food. It's, it's the... Um, the um, rebound from the food, you know? So if we're conditioned into reaching for shame, for example, symbolically speaking, if that's familiar to us, we're gonna reach for that again, you know? Um, and so I, that's why I think the self-awareness is so important because for me, and I believe metaphysically that food is so powerful. Um, it influences everything. Um, outside, maybe you don't feel it if you're not super aware with your body, you don't feel like a buzz or like something off or anxiety, or, you know, if your gut doesn't get disrupted, like a lot of times that happens. But um, I think paying attention to the, um, how we feel emotionally afterwards and mentally is, is really important too. And, and that's probably the first thing I do with most um, new clients is I always start them on a food journal and, you know, logging everything that they put in and how they feel 10 to 15 minutes after, um, before, like what are, what's the fix that they're really looking for, um, and reaching for, because without that self-awareness, um, or without that data for me as a coach, like I have no idea why you're reaching for chocolate chip brownies. Like that could be the thing, you know, your grandfather made for you. So that's comforting to you. You're, you're searching comfort, um, not the shame of like, oh, I'm a bad person because I just ate a cookie. Um, I think it's so different for all of us because we're such emotional beings. And, um, but for me, I totally feel a difference. Um, just like if you're going into like a, a holiday party, you know, and you have anxiety and you're super stressed and like, you're not feeling good, like, you know that food is going to just kick your butt, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so I think our environment again, and, and our mindset and our emotional place, like, where are we like eat slowly, you know, just really like inviting in this more experiential thing. So your body can receive the nutrition. Um, 
Because even if you're the same in reverse, even if you're eating beautiful, nutrient dense ingredients, um, if you are, you know, if you just lost a loved one, or if you just went through a breakup, or if you're in this like stress response, if you're in a crowded room with like chaos, um, that's the imprint. That's how the food is received. You know, like our body, our must, like everything is actually in a guarded place or in a receptive, like I welcome you into me, you know? So I, I that may be a little woo woo for some people, but it's, it, it goes there every single day for me. It's, it's a very, um, that's why, what makes it so deep. I think what makes food so personal and so, um, powerful is because it is different for everyone. Um, but it's, it's an important thing. <laughs> if you're not paying attention there, then, um, you might be feeling a lot of stuff that, um, you haven't traced it back to food. Um, and I think that it plays into everything personally. Yeah. yeah. Food journals are huge. They're, they yeah. definitely are a great indicator of where somebody is. Um, when you have somebody bringing you, okay, they've here's two, Lauren, here's two weeks of my food journal and you look at it and you're like, okay, how do you start assessing where a client can bring some change to their, to their nutrition? And how do you start incorporating that with them because you, you can't force somebody to eat something you can't force somebody to do something so how do you work with the client to see themselves through their journal and integrate new ways of nourishing their body in a healthy way yeah I think that starts I mean even if I never saw the food journal um I my favorite part about that practice is their own self-awareness that has to be happening because if they're not, if they're writing something down and they're actually asking themselves the question, like, how do I feel? Or how was my elimination? Or how was my sleep after eating this? Like that information is right there. It's the power of just that awareness, right? When I'm able to do after reviewing it, now I know that they have that awareness of themselves where it's like, because most people are on autopilot. They don't, they have no idea how many times they've had salmon or chocolate chip cookies in the last week. Um, we just keep going, whatever's right in front of us, we move forward. So it gives them already without doing anything, without saying a peep, they have that foundation now of, okay, like I can't lie for myself. It's right there. Um, and then what I do and I feel is most supportive is I, see where all these things, like where the patterns emerge, you know, um, I think patterns are so helpful because information is one thing, but if we don't know what to do with it or how it connects to something else, then it's not very helpful. And I think that that's the role of the coach is to shine a light onto someone's blind spots in a gentle, supportive way and not being like, oh, that's where your error is, but really just be like, oh, like, have you noticed that a, like whenever you eat this, you know, your bowel movement changes disfavorably, you know, like did, so asking questions I think is most important after I've kind of just seen what I see, I think how that's communicated to the client is extremely important. And again, returning to that curiosity, this isn't a, a place of judgment. And I feel like for, that's one of my 
my skills, I feel like, and what I, the feedback I've got is that my clients don't feel judged by me. And I think that that's so important. And that's what I aim for is because we all have our stuff, you know, like if anyone were to like write down every single thing they ate or every single thing they did, it's like, we're human, you know, like and allowing people to be human, allowing people to feel safe and seen even when they're maybe not proud of or just holding that space of safety and compassion. If we can't do that, like we will, we will, the client will lose and we will lose and we will fail as coaches. But if we show up and are an honest sounding board and a support system to, you know, share as much as the person's ready for, you know, and, and to chunk it down so they can be like, okay, like, and it's a lot of times what I don't say plenty, because I think that that's another like pit that coaches can fall into. It's like, they see all this stuff and it's like, and then it's overwhelming to the person and they are like, well, now I just feel like I'm not doing anything right. I'm overwhelmed. Um, I'm probably judged by this client, this coach who I deem to be like perfect in whatever way. And um, it's not supported either. So I think like really narrowing in on what's most important in that moment, meeting the, the client where they're at, I think in any type of coaching is so important and creating a, a safe environment to explore and to be curious, not to be judgmental or critical. Um, and then that person can really like take baby steps to, okay, like, well, then I'd ask like, what are your favorite foods? You know, what are the things that like, what are, or, and what are your vice foods? What are the things you love, but you feel guilty and shameful every time you eat them or, you know, you bloat or whatever side effect happens. Um, because I also feel like, especially now with nutrition and the products out there, there's always a healthier alternative. <laughs> always like we're so fortunate now if you're creative and you know what to look for if you have a coach to be like hey like I love potato chips too like have you tried this one that might you know be made with much better oils or there's just yes. so much variety so I think I never take something away without inviting an alternative that like because people aren't good with just like abandoning their habits and their rituals. They need to replace it with something that's more life affirmative, that's more aligned to their goals. So I think that's actually enables people to be empowered to make sustainable change because you can be miserable for a month on a, any detox or protocol, but the likelihood of that really lasting becomes much less if they don't feel like they're getting what they they really want and, and, and need from anything. So that's kind of my approach and um, talking to people like they're human beings. And, you know, like, I, I don't, I think I hold their hand and it's different for every person. Some people need a little bit more, um, but still it's like, return that responsibility to them in a very kind and compassionate way. So they can be curious and they can be like, wow, I never knew that. Like, I didn't know I didn't tolerate eggs. I've eaten eggs every day for 20 years, you know? Um, and to give them a soft place to land with those new discoveries or um, challenges, you know? And, and what we were saying about community too earlier, it's very, very hard to 
change your life if you're going home to an environment that's not conducive to your healing or your goals, you know? So a lot of the, the conversations I have are relationship coaching too, you know, cause it's so much more, it's the household, it's the environment, it's your day to day. Um, so not having like people have to choose between grandma's dinner and, or, you know, my wife's meal or whatever it is like, Give them enough flexibility to feel like, okay, like maybe I can model this for my loved ones, but I don't need to be like alone on an island, you know, (laughs) because that never works. And that feels like crap. Like I don't want to make people's lives harder. I don't want to make food more stressful. I want to make it a pleasurable, like empowering practice, you know? So that's why a lot of the work I do now is teaching people how to cook and like food demos of exactly that. Like instead of this ingredient, this one can give you a very similar, you know, flavor profile or same effect, but, um, it's much better tolerated and more nutrient dense or whatever. So it's mostly quality as opposed to what it is, because most of our recipes now have traditional, um, you know, backgrounds that are excellent and super healthy. So it's kind of returning to, what was a lot of the time. Yeah, I, I like that. And I like that you brought up the household because th- that is key. How somebody can, so how do you work with someone um, to help them, you know, go on their journey, their path, but say maybe their husband is, you know, I'm all for cheering you on, but uh, <laughs> don't bring that to my plate. I'm gonna eat this. <laughs> How do you help somebody not feel like they're on an island, they're there, they're not having to choose, but how do you help somebody just be okay with knowing that what they're doing for themselves Mm -hmm. is what is right for them Mm -hmm. and to still allow that relationship to nourish between husband and, and wife? And not have that, oh, well, you're eating that again, or you're eating that again, or why can't you just eat this with us? Or why can't you? I'm sure all that stuff probably happened. So, how do you work with someone to really help them feel okay with the choices that they're making mm-hmm. um, and, and being able to embody it in their home? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's work for all of us. I know that's work for me too. And Um, one of the things I'm most grateful in my personal relationship is how like not pre-qualified we were for each other but our values are very much aligned before we you know moved in together before we were even romantic together um so I think it's again different for everybody but like if you're like when you said like it's a win for me if you have a partner that's at least cheering you on you're, you're golden, you know, like, I mean, still takes a lot of work, but I think even more unfortunately is when the partner or the other household member is not supportive and is, you know, there's guilt, there's shame. A lot of times like these money values come up, like when it's like prioritizing healthy food, a lot of people have these ideas that it, it's a very privileged and, um, unachievable goal for a lot of families. Um, And I'm very compassionate to that. Like, you know, we never know what's going on in somebody's life unless, 
you happen to be that person's coach or therapist or, you know, them. And, um, and I think it kind of returning to that relationship with self and prioritizing self. And that's been a, a struggle for me too. Like I'm like a giver by nature and I'm a people pleaser just by design. It's like, I like to, you know, have other people be comfortable, right? And none of us likes to be stigmatized for our choices. And um, I think with moms, I see this a ton. Um, people just like always on the go and, it's again, back to those like daily habitual choices where it's like, we're already so behind when it comes to prioritizing ourselves that when we do make that move to make a change, it's a, it's, it can be a tidal wave of backlash. And, um, and I think returning to like, we can't give what we don't have, you know, it's, if you're a mom for three kids or one kid or even a dog, you know, but you're not, onto yourself first the tr that's the flow of energy you know it's like top down so um I think a lot of that comes to like remembering how to parent yourself and parenting yourself is caring for yourself and you know in the traditional feminine role of, of nourishment and nurturing like if you can't nurture yourself then you will be reflected in your relationships. And, and I think that's a really tough um, thing to face. And fortunately, you know, like I met my partner at a time in life where I'd already kind of hashed out those values with myself. So we didn't have to have those collisions. Um, and I would, you know, want to go slow and really like hear what's going on with, with like, I, I ask a lot of this is why I like to work with fewer people and, and go a little deeper is because I, I want to be aware of what their real house life and relationship dynamics yes. are like, you know, it's so important. If you're, if you're a nutritionist and you don't know what the household is, then you're, you're basically just, you know, shooting in the dark. Um, yeah. So, and I, I think too, like, I mean, hey, I'm, I'm basically like, very paleocentric, you know, so, you know, nutrient dense, whole foods, um, quality again over anything, but fortunately that's actually, it's a very easy diet to sell for men who like, you know, those more like traditional, like meat and potatoes or whatever. Like, I think it depends on what type of food you're introducing to your home as well. Um, and making sure that it's one that does have variety and doesn't feel rigid and and that the person trying to work on their own goals it's like let's look this is about you this isn't about your husband your wife whatever like this is you you doing something for yourself and if they're not on board like be loving and compassionate to that too because you it doesn't need to be about everybody like you know um and i think sometimes it's really hard to communicate our needs and not project onto other people. I think it's a two, um, hopefully you have, the person would have like a relationship that is like a loving one of like support and like, hey, you do you, I may not jump on board, but um, I love that you're doing something for yourself because everybody wins from that. Um, and, you know, having fun with it too. Like I, I teach a lot of my um, 
you know, participants in, in workshops and stuff, like how to cook with their family, how to make it not such an isolating thing. Like, I feel like if, if more kids were in the kitchen, like kids love, will do whatever their parents doing, you know, and, and what better way than, you know, making healthy cookies than, you know, so really making it a, a communal family, like a loving, fun thing the more pleasure we can instill in anything, like the more successful we're going to be. I think that we're just creatures of dopamine and, and pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> life to be good. Like that's okay. It can be. Um, it doesn't have to look like, okay, here's the, the weekly meal plan, you know, like some people strive on structure and some people reject it and like, you know, deflect it as much as possible. Um, but I think, you know, making it be a family event and, um, and also just like honoring where people are and loving our partner no matter what and um, and supporting them on their, like everything is so much more, um, what's the word? I don't know if powerful is the right word, but like when we see something modeled like with authenticity and with like, you know, genuine, like I, I wanna do this for myself and they're excited about it and stuff like, that's been the most impressionable for me receiving. And also like, as I've modeled these health principles, it's so much more likely people will get on board because it works. It's like, Hey, I'm prioritizing yes. me and my health. Like it, there's, there's no, um, risk there. Really. You know, that's what the beautiful thing about food. It's a very low risk, um, type of infiltration, you know? So if you make change there, then, um, it just, it sh keeps showing up every single day. And even a little, a little shift can go a long way, you know, choosing your battles too, like finding um, alternatives. Cause how, how cool would that be if your partner, you know, who wasn't into any of that, but then you were able to bring home something like their favorite thing done in a way that's like nutritious and like that you made, it's like, that's a gift, you yeah. know? Yeah. So instead of like being on the defense of like, I'm trying to do this and make these goals and you're making it impossible. It's like, how can even in those moments of challenge, like, can we meet that person with love too? And like, cause all love of self is love of others and, and vice versa. If we are loving to others. If we're understanding, if we're patient, we're compassionate. That's really us being all of those things to ourselves. So, um, so yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be miserable. It doesn't have to be rigid. Um, it's really just unique to that person. And that's really where I think the design comes in everything. It's like, okay, now we know these things. These are our variables. These are our controls. These are our limits. How can we make this smooth and, and sustainable? So I love that. That, that, was a, that was a great question. That was a great answer. I really, <laughs> I really enjoyed that. That was really good. Um, speaking of uh, how you, you keep bringing up the word quality and I love it. For those who are used to just going to whatever grocery stores around them or Walmart or wherever they get grocery, their, their food, how can someone find better alternatives? Say maybe there is no butcher around, there's, they're in a town where there's no, how can someone find a more natural uh natural selection of food that's actually made to nourish their body and not just yeah processed food or yeah and cream 
unfortunately crammed chickens in a barn and un- the stuff like that. How do you how do you help someone find yeah healthier alternatives, more nutrients, more natural food? Of- yeah. Um, so th- this is kind of where you know the socio political aspects of of food and um, industry and stuff come in. And, you know, not everyone has the same resources by any means. Location varies, um, you know, of course, financial stability, um, how many kids you're supporting, like your own life, um, money and food and, and um, options are, are hand in hand. You know, I don't want to dismiss that at all. Um, and even like in, you know, wealthy areas, there's still food deserts when it comes to like like for me, when I'm traveling, if I, if I can't find something nutritious, like I, I, go, I spiral down very quickly. Um, so I'm, I'm used to navigating that. And, um, unfortunately, I mean, it just depends on where you are, but farmers markets are like the first stop shop for, you know, you're going to have super fresh organic options. And I'm in California, so we have plenty of those. Um, Certain places don't, but there's also like really cool, um, like community gardens, community um, food co-ops, a lot of farms, especially too in like rural areas where there might not be restaurants, but there are probably a lot of farms. And um, if you can kind of do a little, even, I mean, the internet is our best (laughs) resource. I've been Googling forever and it's like, there's so many options out there if you know what to look for it and you know how to research. Um, so I would look to any local farms and a lot of them do um, community supported agriculture boxes. So you can pick up um, every week, if you're at your local farmer's market or local grocery store, farmers will drop it off there. It's a one-stop shop and you have your, you know, seasonal ingredients. That's a great option. There's also tons of online um, meal delivery services now for those with a little bit more um, buffer in their budgets. Um, I love Thrive Market for non-perishables too. Those are like, you get a lot of heavily discounted um, quality dry goods. Um, There's lots of butchers and stuff you can order online now too. So, and sometimes those have really kind of high shipping prices and stuff just because, you know, the, um, they, they're perishable, but um, farmer's markets are probably the most accessible. Um, also too, like a lot of nutrient dense foods are actually like peasant foods or that's what they're called. You know, they're um, different cuts of meat that may be much less expensive, but have tons of like minerals and um, super good quality fat. And, you know, the scrap pieces, eating nose to tail, like there's so many ways to fully utilize um, different animals and different ingredients. Um, So being um, just savvy, I guess, when it comes to like making the best with what you have. Um, And, and that's like the, the cool thing about like paleocentric eating, we'll call it, is that like, it kind of does a lot of that um, discernment for you, you know, and you can get a better bang for your buck because you'll be satiated with over with like higher fat, higher nutrient dense foods. You don't reach for as much, you know, if you're eating simple um, carbohydrates or sugars, like, of course you're going to be hungry. So you might overeat too. So the cool thing about these natural base whole food nutrient dense um, diets will say is that 
it, they're just very efficient too. So you can, you don't need as much um, and you can learn how to make broths with your scrap ingredients or how to like, you know, really utilize leftovers. Um, and two, I think like for me, I love dining out. So like, I'll always go to restaurants and there's not always great healthy options there. But once you kind of learn to navigate like the big triggers, like it's, it's normally the oils, you know, the industrialized seed oils that just wreak havoc. Um, the simple sugars, you know, so if you can replace honey instead of your sugar or maple syrup instead of your sugar. So really kind of just, again, isolating what those, um, those vice foods, those inflammatory foods are trying to find a more nutrient dense alternative, um, being creative with, um, how you cook to how you, you know, leftovers and, um, not being so like, I have to eat this every day or, um, just having, being more fluid with it too. And right now I'm actually really kind of diving deeper into really like flavor in general. Like that's such a, there's so much nuance to what flavor is and, and, um, how to build it in a dish, but it's kind of becomes alchemy too. It's like, you don't need to know all of this detailed stuff or have all of these options. Once you know the foundation of like how to balance flavor, how to balance a dish with like nutrients for what you need. And when you can start tuning into the seasons and the temperatures and the client, like what you actually need at that time, it doesn't have to be as complicated, I think, as we, as we make it. And sometimes that can be an excuse, um, not to for myself too, you know, like, again, we're all human. I, I, I want people to really enjoy, um, food in general, but I am sensitive to that. Like everyone has unique circumstances, but I do think that there's always, for most of your listeners, I would imagine, like there are ways to sadly navigate um challenging environments like that and and now unfortunately and fortunately you know the convenience food market is is exploded right and like so that i think will pave the way for some really cool you know meal kits and products and stuff and also some not so good ones you know that look good for marketing but aren't actually like healthy so um yeah we we it's, it's a really new landscape in food too. Like when I did my first, um, you know, elimination protocol diet, whatever, you know, seven, eight years ago, we didn't have like siete tortillas or we didn't have like all of this stuff now that like, it's a big market. It's gigantic. Um, so I think we'll see more options coming, but those are some, some little tricks, um, farmers markets, online ordering, um, meal prepping, um, leftovers, just, just being more selective to quality, um, and just noticing how that'll, um, naturally just influence your energy, um, too. So you have more to give to others. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. I enjoy, I like that. Um, if you could give one to two pieces of advice for let's say um somebody who has really no idea about food they've just kind of been eating whatever has been placed in front of them they just go about the day they're very on autopilot but something is struck and they're wanting to make a difference mm. what is the what what would 
the number one piece be for them? And then what would be the number one piece for somebody who is on the opposite end and they don't know how to allow themselves to enjoy food because they have to be so rigid. They feel like they have to be like, I have to eat only this, 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 this. So how do you help somebody? What would one piece of advice be for somebody who's really just say health? They have no idea. <laughs> what is health, healthy food for me? I don't know. I don't know what makes me feel good. What makes me feel like crap because I've just been eating the same kind of food for years. Mm-hmm. What would the, that piece of advice be? And what would be a piece of advice for somebody who is really rigid and kind of can make somebody feel uncomfortable being, being around because they, we all know those people where it's just like, I don't ever want to ask them to go out because they're not enjoyable to be around. They're like, can yeah. you measure this? <laughs> <laughs> totally. how, do you help, how do you help somebody bring them down so that they actually enjoy food? They actually enjoy life. Mm-hmm. and the community that that food allows them to bring so mm-hmm. like there's two spectrums mm-hmm. yeah and to me like what comes up is kind of that like the control drama around food right I mean it's it works both ways and um, I think to feel completely out of control with what we're eating um completely disconnected to nutrition and and just, you know, again, on the autopilot, which so many people are on. I think what's most important is inviting in some way, whatever would make sense for that person, um, a pattern disrupt, you know? So if it's something that like the, the quickest way I've connected with people, you know, like in restaurants or whatever that are like eating completely something totally different than I am, it's like I, I give them some of my food, you know, or I cook for them or I give them an opportunity to experience how good food can taste that's healthy. Um, if they don't have that, like in their sensory system, then food is food, you know, an apple is an apple. Um, but so I think it's maybe less so about like educating at first and more like inviting a connection to an experience and to like that truth of like, damn, that's good. You know, like, what did you, what is that? You know? Um, so inviting that curiosity again. And, um, yeah, like I've, my family, I've been around so many people that are like, so on a different page than I am with food and, and remembering myself, it's like, I honestly, I don't, I don't care what you eat, you know, like I'm not you, you know, like you do you, like I can, you know, I have my opinions on, but I think really it comes down where the rubber meets the road is like having someone experience something better. And then like that sets their new bar. Like I wouldn't have the standard that I have if I didn't find something that met that standard, you know? So I, that's part of been my privilege and blessings in my life is that I've had these opportunities to have just stellar foods that are, you know, fortunately healthy, but Um, yeah, so I think that that would be one. And also too, like, I think a lot of it comes down to, um, a lot of the people I've worked with are, are chefs and really connecting the chefs back to their health, because there's a very wide gap actually. And unfortunately the people that are closest to the plate are oftentimes very overweight, very stressed out. Um, you know, their bodies are just breaking down, not sleeping a lot of alcohol consumption and, um, it's just a 
a relentless job, you know, so connecting chefs back to nature, back to sourcing their ingredients. And um, so it kind of can trickle down into their restaurants and into their homes. I think that's a really important piece. And then for the people that are super rigid, it's funny, Mike would answer this probably a different way, but um, for me, like, <laughs> he, and he's, I mean, he's pretty, um, disciplined. He's a disciplined guy. Um, but I am much more like the watery feminine pleasure seeking, like, you know, so he's loosened quite a bit. And, um, and again, just making it fun, you know, like it, if, if that's working for them, great. Who am I to say, but like, if it's obviously not like as a coach, it's just like, okay, like you're, you're, you elevated to this place of super disciplined, potentially rigid life. Like, how's that working for you? You know, like asking very honestly, yes. like, if, if that's working, fantastic. If part of you is like, oh, I'm doing this because I would feel so out of control, not doing this, you know, or if I have like any, any, you know, slip, then I've lost the whole thing. It's like, we live so much in absolutes. Um, and I've invited that a lot into my relationship with Mike too. It's like, and he shared this, which is why I share it. But up until being with me, like he's very much like, okay, I can go this way or this way. I can have this, or I can have that. I can be disciplined with my food or I can not be, you know? Yep. And it's yep. like, there's always a third option. And oftentimes it's like, we can have both, you know, like that 80, 20 rule around, like if you're too rigid where you're not enjoying and really feeling good and feeling joyous, um, feeling connected, if you feel like, okay, well, I'm the only like uptight one here, you know, we're in our control drama with ourselves, and it's like this internal dialogue. So really just inviting people to have like there is another way um and balance is not rigidity you know like how can you invite the opposite polarity of that you know discipline into a more fluid like okay like wow i notice i can have this once a month or once a week or whatever and i feel good and then that's a whole different relationship with self we're cultivating um i think people get go down this road with exercise too as i'm sure you know it's like and, and Mike will be the first to tell you, like he, he'll right now, like he's a world-class athlete and he trains three days a week, you know, like really, really good when he does. But most people think he's in the gym every day and like just grinding and the same thing with nutrition. It's like, we, it's not all or nothing. Um, life is not all or nothing. And if you're out of balance there on either side, it's not good or it's bad. It's just out of balance, you know, so it will show up some way. Um, and so it's like, what are the things that like really bring you a ton of pleasure and um, are still aligned to, you know, your goals and your objectives. And, you know, if you're training for a competition, then that's not the time to not be rigid. You know, that's, there's moments where it's like, it calls for super dialed discipline. And then, you know, off season or whatever, if you're not working for some super like high level thing, like loosen the reins a little bit. So then you can actually, your body can like dance with you instead of feeling like it's constantly a vice of, you know, indulgence or restrict restriction. So that's what I would say. <laughs> that's, those are 
two great pieces of advice. Two great pieces of advice. Lauren, speaking of pleasures, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on. I can continue talking and talking, but I have a boot camp class that I have to teach at 4.30 at my time, or I would continue to talk. I would love to have you on for part two to continue chatting. Um, where can my list, I have one more question, but where can my listeners find you, find your coaching, f- find you? Where can my listeners find you and follow you? Sure. Um, so mostly for social media, um, it, Instagram is best. My handle is Vital Theory, V-I-T-A-L-T-H-E-O-R-Y. Um, and I, I share a lot on there and it's kind of ranging, um, but that's a great place to find me for any future offerings as well. Reach out, connect. Um, I have a website, vitaltheorycoaching.com. Um, that kind of gives just a little overview of me, my background, um, my coaching packages as they've been. And all of this is kind of in transition and stuff as with life, you know, always new opportunities and um, stuff. But those are the best places to find me. And um, yeah, look forward to hearing from anybody. It's been really, really fun being here, Candice. Awesome. Well, thank you. Um, Before I ask you my last question, I just want to say thank you again for joining me and thank you for all that you do uh, to make the world a better place environmentally, being so cautious and so loving towards the environment, towards all that uh, is living upon it and making it such an intentional uh, way of living to make sure that everyone feels blessed and honored to be a part of life. And Mm -hmm. thank you for not only that, but for us humans making the world a better place and allowing us to tap into our truer selves and living ours, living as our best selves and, you know, the most holistically as we possibly can. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> My final question for you is what is your perspective on positivity? <laughs> I, I mean, again, I think that there's light and shadow to everything, every, everything in this world. And, um, and I think that there is something to having a disposition towards positivity, towards optimism, towards, um, you know, curiosity and wonderment. I feel like all of those, um, you know, nice feelings, um, if, if there's even just a hair tilt in that direction, um, that's kind of the realm I live in. And at the same time, um, I love to dive into the shadow aspects of life. And I think that it's absolutely imperative to acknowledge, honor, um, explore the shadow realms, because that is really what provides the contrast for the good light stuff too. And I think that that's a really big missing piece that so many of us are so uncomfortable in the shadow aspects of self and the shadow aspects of the world that um, we just can't go there, you know? And um, it's not serving anyone to just be all love and light all the time because 50% of the world is, is not that just by like the forces of the universe and how we balance this yin and yang aspect of dual, duality, right? Um, so we can go all over the place with that. But I think positivity is 
I love being around positive people. I feel like it's a much more productive place to be. And I'm, I'm pretty practical, honestly, like I'm kind of out in the cosmos a lot of the time, but um, I think that there's a practicality to positivity that it keeps you moving forward. You know, it keeps you in that place of like hope and, and um, possibility. And without that, the spirit that's found in that like unknown, um, yeah, it, it's, then you're just blinded by the light instead of blinded by the darkness, you know? So I think, um, yeah, 51%, probably maybe hopefully a little bit more than that, but um, it's, it's important, like where it's really needed, that positivity is in the shadow, you know, and um, bringing it full circle. Um, I think in those moments of challenge and when it's the hardest to be loving or the hardest to be positive or optimistic, it's like, that's when we need it most. That's when the practice comes into like living every day with that positive disposition. It's like, that's where we put it to good use, you know, because rainbows and butterflies don't need more rainbows and butterflies. It's like, you know, the shadowy woods that need some rainbows and butterflies. So we have to be like as light workers, as positive people, as life coaches or whatever um, inspirations, like we need to be able to walk through our own darkness, our own, you know, shadows. And um, then we can really feel like we can trust the light because it's not bullshit, <laughs> you know? Like um, if you're only looking in one direction, like there's a whole other other world out there. So um, so yeah, that's my take on it. <laughs> I, I love that. I like, I, you've said uh, the, the positive, the uh, positivity in the darkness is really where it's key and that's just struck so much because to me a lot of my my perspective on positivity and it, it flows but one of the main ones is when you're in search of positive something positive you're going through something that's not feeling good negative situation life circumstances and you're not and you're just searching and you can't seem to find something positive I believe that's when it's meant for us to be the positivity we're meant to be the light we are meant to be the positive aspect in that in that tornado in that realm of chaos even though we're in it as well it's life telling us hey this is your time to shine your light you're positive so let's muster it up and work together so yeah that really struck a chord when you said that beautiful I love that I love that yeah <laughs> well Lauren thank you so very much thank you it was so fun yeah yes great it's a blast <laughs> we'll chat soon for sure yes thanks for having Don't you just feel fulfilled? Don't you just feel refreshed and just nourished? I do. I absolutely could have just kept talking and talking and talking with Lauren. She was such a delight and it was such a pleasure talking with her. And I truly hope you guys take away something that she shares and implement it into your own life and 
just allow yourself to really embrace uh, a, a healthier, uh, more exciting, more nourishing life for yourself. And if you guys liked it, please let us know on the socials by tagging us and sharing it with others on Instagram. It is at vital theory for lauren and it's at spark plug wellness for myself also please write and review the podcast it truly does help get the value and the uh, service of my list my guests out to more listeners and it lets me know that i'm on the right track it is now time to go out and do something and be positive positive.